Pete Bombacci, and I am the founder and executive director of the Genwell Project. What inspired you to create the project? Well, the original inspiration was actually we had a um, we had a blackout on the northeastern seaboard of uh, North America that might have hit the Washington area, uh, but it was certainly uh, Toronto, New York, uh, some major uh, centers. And that night I saw, first off, the beauty of the human species in times of crisis. But when we got home and we checked on our loved ones, after we were all settled and we had nothing to do, all the distractions of our normal day from phones to computers to TVs were turned off, I saw what people wanted to do because we are a social species. Everybody got connected. They got connected with uh, neighbors, they got connected with family and friends in workplaces in downtown. I know people who sat for the next eight to 12 hours and, you know, connected in bars and restaurants with people they'd never met before because most of us couldn't get to the places where we wanted to get to. So we all had a common experience that we shared and it allowed us to connect. And so coming out of that night, I thought, why do we always have to wait for a crisis before we give people the permission and opportunity to connect? And that really was the the inspiration behind launching the Genwell project. Yeah, how important is it just to, you know, talk to someone, have a conversation, get a compliment? Well, you know, uh, what the research shows is that, you know, our social connections and the relationships come with us, they come from them, is the single greatest contributor to our happiness. It reduces anxiety and depression, strengthens our immune system, our self-confidence, increases empathy and compassion and resilience at a time when, you know, we're struggling as, as individuals and as a society. And is the single greatest contributor to, um, or sorry, it is the single greatest preventative action that we can take to avoid depression. And that's a study that came out during the global pandemic, but yet most of us have never been educated uh, on this topic because most of the time we talk about exercise, we talk about eating well, eight hours of sleep, eight glasses of water, don't drink too much, don't smoke. But the reality is it's time now that we educate people on just how important our social connections are for our health, our happiness, our longevity, because post-pandemic, we need it more than ever before. Yeah. What were the some of the challenges you faced during the pandemic? Well, I think like anybody else, so many of our rituals and routines had been disrupted, whether it was I, I play hockey a couple times a week. And so I wasn't able to see my buddies. You know, I used to go to an office and I didn't get to see my colleagues on a daily basis. And so many of those habits and rituals, whether it was those or going to the gym or the grocery store or the coffee shop. And, and so many of us are not back to the habits and rituals that were there before. And so I think what we need to do as a society right now is we need to awaken everybody, not only to the importance of social connection for ourselves, but actually recognizing that every person that you walk by every day in whatever situation, whether it's in your own home, whether it's on your street, whether it's in your community, whether it's at your workplace, or if you're in a classroom, the opportunity to be part of the solution to building a more connected world by saying hello, by having a quick conversation, checking in with people. How's your day going? What's going on? Put a smile on people's face. All these little interactions that we can have with other people are really meaningful and they give people a sense of connection and belonging at a time when, as I say, we need it more than ever before. 
What are some of the initiatives you focus on? Well, first and foremost, we say we do three things. We educate, we empower, and we catalyze. So our education comes through a few different ways. We do social posts every day with tips, tools, and ideas on how people can build healthier connection habits. We also do education sessions in classrooms, communities, and workplaces, um, which help the people that are engaged and see the importance deepen that understanding in, you know, groups that can be, you know, collective, whether it's on a campus or whether it's in a workplace or in a community. When it comes to empowerment, we give tips, tools, and ideas, whether it's on our website, whether it's through our Tips Tuesday posts or our Friday infographs to give people suggestions on how we can all start building healthier connection habits starting today. And then we catalyze people throughout the course of the year through a series of events. Um, we've launched Red January for January, which is a, a month when we want to inspire people to get active together. We have face-to-face -face February, which is about uh, activating uh, young people on campuses across the country to take one action a day to improve their social health. We have Loneliness Awareness Week, Genwell Weekends, when we want people to get connected with friends, family, neighbors, classmates, or colleagues. We have a new campaign coming up called Talk to a Stranger Week, uh, a week when we want to give people permission to talk to strangers because although people have told us for 50 years not to talk to strangers, it actually might be one of the big gap fillers right now, <laughs> excuse me, as we come out of the pandemic and try to reintroduce some of the social um, rituals that we had before, talking to strangers could be a big gap filler for many people. For you, what is it like talking to people that, you know, this nonprofit has helped? You know, I got to be honest, Michael, almost if it's not daily, it's probably a few times a week. I'll get an email from different people to say thank you for doing what you do. And I've had it from there's a teacher. Every time we send out a newsletter, I got an email from a teacher who I've never met in person. And he's he's he hasn't wanted to connect. I've offered it up. And for whatever reason, he's he continually says, I'm not ready yet to to connect. But he always says, thank you for what you're doing. You're making a difference in the lives of young people. You know, I have seniors in my life who, you know, uh, my own wife, who has two elderly parents, has been more conscious and intentional about the amount of time that she spends with her family and with her parents, elderly parents. And so, you know, people, when I, I recently did a, a corporate uh, session workshop, and two of the people came up to me in tears after the workshop because I think what, what happens is when we awaken people to how important social connection is, people start to do their own gut check. They start to do their own assessment of how connected am I? And, and am I socially connected? And although it seemed so simple before, because every day, you know, so many of those things were built in, you'd go to the office and there was always a bunch of people around and there was a coffee machine and a lunchroom. So it was easy for us to get connected or feel a sense of connection. But during the pandemic and on the other side of the pandemic, when we're not back to the normal rituals, a lot of us are recognizing maybe I wasn't as connected as I thought I was. And maybe I need to put a little more effort into rebuilding the social connections and the relationships I had, or at least that I thought I had pre-pandemic, because if I don't, too often times I'll end up spending most nights at home 
and not investing in those relationships that will keep me happier, healthier, make me live longer, and, and frankly, make society a better place for everyone. Because when people feel disconnected from one another, one of the outcomes is racism, violence, anger, aggression. And we can see that, whether it's mass shootings or we can see it in random acts of violence, when people don't feel like they're welcome or they belong, oftentimes they can turn to lashing out at other people. And so when we talk about this subject, it's far more than just individual health and well-being. This has a societal impact as well. What do you do to help your own mental health? Well, it's, I think it is being conscious. I'm playing hockey tonight and it's Halloween and my son's going out with my wife uh, trick-or-treating and I feel like I've, I'm letting down some kids on the street, but I will you know, share some candy with them tomorrow or the next day. But I, I've been working pretty hard lately and I haven't been spending time with my buddies. And so um, I'm playing hockey tonight and I've got a, a, a booking to see a bunch of my friends Thursday night to watch a hockey game. And I think that's it, Michael, is if we can raise the collective consciousness of people to say, hey, when you go to the gym, you usually put it in your calendar. You've got like Thursdays at five o'clock after work, I'm going to the gym. When we go to the grocery store, we tend to write lists of groceries so that we don't miss the things that we need. We need to be more conscious and intentional about our social connections and our social health, because when we build stronger social connections and social health, that actually makes us more resilient in regards to our mental and physical well-being because too often in society, we wait until people are in a crisis and then we say, hey, Michael, how can I help? Well, to me, that's backwards. We need to swim upstream and we need to start building a culture of connection across society in every place we go, from homes to streets to communities to workplaces to classrooms. Because if we can do that, I believe not only can we make individuals thrive, but we can make uh, businesses thrive, communities thrive, classrooms thrive, because that's what building a culture of connection does. I know we're just talking to you. I was thinking uh, uh, about my connections is uh, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder in 2019 and I was working at a, a corporate place. And so it was awkward conversations. And then Fast forward to now, the past three years, I work with my dogs at home. So it, it's more of a thing. I'm even thinking about how do I, you know, come back to society, if you will. Uh, Michael, thank you for uh, for sharing that with me. You know, I think there's there's two messages from the work we do at the Genwell Project. Number one is I want you to be more conscious and aware of the social, the importance of social connection and social health for you check i think you get that now i think you you've already you've already heard that from me but there's a second message i think too often in society we blame the people that are struggling or that are marginalized and we say michael you need to be more social well marginalized people don't marginalize themselves it's actually the rest of us that do the right. marginalizing and so a big part of our message and why we want to awaken every person in society is to say look if we all understood what it might be like to be Michael, what it might might feel like to, you know, struggle through a day to communicate to, you know, get work done for whatever reason, 
then maybe, Michael, we can create a little more empathy and compassion in the world for those who don't think like us, act like us, look like us, you know, because we're all different. Yeah. But deep down inside, we're all far more similar than we are, than what differentiates us. And so a big part of our message is really about creating a movement where we all recognize I have a responsibility for your well-being. You know, I have a responsibility for my neighbors, for my colleagues. And if what I'm sharing with you is that a simple act, a simple gesture of a hello, how's your day going? What's going on in your life, Michael? Tell me, what'd you do last night? If we all took that little bit of time with every person we met, and of course, it's not going to happen every day and it's not going to be every person. But if every one of us did that two more times a day, three more times a day, we could change the world, I believe, in a very short period of time as everybody starts to feel like I'm not alone here. We've created the most individualistic society in history. And it wasn't until the global pandemic where we kind of looked at ourselves and said, oh, my God, look, you know, we built bigger houses for smaller families, taller backyard fences. We've got back decks instead of front porches. Everything that we've done has created this isolation that we now woke up to on the other side of the global pandemic. And we wonder why we feel so disconnected and alone. And so, you know, if we can do something that awakens the broader population to the role we play in each other's health and well-being, I think we can quickly make a change in our, in our broader society. What do you, where do you want to see the mission in the next, say, three to five years? Well, for me, Michael, it's really simple. If I could see, you know, I think there's a study out there that says the average person, this is pre-pandemic, you know, saw eight to 10 people a day. And so, it, you know, if you've got, um, you've got, I think, 350 million people in America. Yeah. So. Uh, we need to get 35 million Americans to change the way they interact with other people each and every day, because we're not going to change everybody overnight. Right. You know, there's going to be some people, the idea of talking to a stranger is something that they will never buy into until everybody's talking to them when they walk down the street and then they'll start to go, well, if everybody else is doing it, maybe I should do it too. You know, and so we need to build a movement here and a movement is in activating those early adopters who want to buy in because they understand the the benefit that's in it for them, but also the impact that they're having on other people. And so in three to five years, if we could see 35 million Americans and up here in Canada, if I could see 3.5 or 4 million Canadians embracing our movement and engaging with their neighbors, family, friends, colleagues in a different way, I think we'd be successful. How can people reach out and learn more? They can head over to genwellproject.org. That's our website um, where they can find tips, tools, and ideas on how they can build healthier connection habits. They can find out about all the different programs and resources that we have there. We have a knowledge hub that tries to identify um, the the impact and solutions to uh, social isolation, disconnection, and loneliness through various lenses. It could be mental health. It could be food insecurity, financial insecurity. It could be divorce. It could be job loss. 
so many ways that people can find themselves feeling disconnected from other people. But people can also uh, follow us on our social channels at Genwell Project, and that's on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. And we also have a YouTube page that now has over, I think it's 100 hours of content uh, that's really helping people identify that this is an issue that we all face at different times in our lives. And as I said earlier, that we are all part of the solution to building a more connected world.